And welcome to the Rough Cut Retrospective, episode 145, a podcast that talks about movies, TV, pop culture, in the midst of a world burning around us, once again, quite literally this week in some places. I'm your host, Carter Sims. I'm on the fiddle bass today. And uh, I'm joined, as always, by my co-host. He's on the tenor sax. It's Jackson McHuron. Hello, sir. Hello. How are you? I'm doing well, man. How are you? I'm doing so great. Excited to talk about uh, this little movie. Some like it hot. It's going to be a good episode. Heck yeah. Uh, I think first time watch for Jackson uh, mm-hmm, this mm-hmm. week. This is uh, a part of our RCR Top 100. This is our 25th film we're talking about today, Jackson. Exciting. On the RCR Top 100. A quarter of the way there. Long way to go, but we start with this small step. We'll be talking some like it hot today. But first, Jackson. Tell me something, boy. Tell me something, boy. What have you been into this week, buddy? Yeah, of course. Well, besides uh, streaming Some Like It Hot on Max, I nice. also got around to renting Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret. <gasps> and I was so excited to check it out. Uh, yes. For those who don't know, I drafted it in our fantasy filmography league that we do for the podcast. Well, yeah, actually, we traded for it, but... um. Um, so I, I wanted to support it and be uh, be there. And this summer is just the summer of uh, of womanhood, I think. I think Boom. this is a good year for womanhood in movies. Mm-hmm. And it's time to start, you know, packaging and presenting movies for women instead of, like, for men mostly. And I don't know. I think the box mm-hmm. office is showing that. I think Barbie passed, like, a huge mile marker. At, um, did it pass a billion this week? Crossed a billion this week. That's yep. crazy. That's mm-hmm. so exciting. Still going strong. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Taylor Swift and Barbie are just like reinvigorating <laughs> the uh, economy. It seems, which is pretty pretty exciting. But yeah, Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret was really good. Yes, um, it's it the same director who did Edge of Seventeen, which I also really liked. Mm-hmm. Um, super cute. Just everyone in this was was doing great. Uh, on top of that, I got around to finishing my binge of Superman and Lois season three on Max. Yeah. It is really good. They give Lois Lane uh, breast cancer, which is like kind of it's like, oh, like that's going to be like, I don't know. Yeah. I feel like usually it's really cliche and not interesting, but they like explored really interesting avenues of like femininity and like dealing with this disease and like having like how like getting a double mastectomy is like really emotionally and like like emotional and like and painful for for women and having to deal with like how they view their womanhood and stuff and and it's mm-hmm. just been really really good television and I liked it a lot. Nice. Um, yeah. And then also I've been rewatching uh Gendy Tar- Tartakovsky's Primal which is like an adult swim uh what if a caveman hung out with dinosaurs and like it, it was like really gory and cool and it, it's like a it's like a cartoon that's just like super sick um and it goes off the walls. So I recommend checking that out too. Beautiful. Big Max guy this week. Mm-hmm, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> um, what, sweet. What about you, buddy? Uh, me? I was actually into a lot this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went to. The I theater. noticed. Yeah, your yeah. letterbox was popping. I was. I was popping off. You know, I'm back home from traveling. So nice. I, I'm just, you know, at home working and just throwing things on and going to the movies. So this past weekend, I did a, a three movie day. I went to the movie every day for three days wow. in a row. Really using up my AMC Stubbs A-list. Shout out. Looking for a Shout plug. Uh, the first one I saw, I went to see Theater Camp, uh, which mm. is this. Uh, in Platt, right? Yeah. It's it, it's really cool. It's uh, it's a co- They wrote it together. Ben Platt, uh, Molly Gordon, Noah mm. Galvin, and Nick Lieberman, who also uh, is the co-director with Molly Gordon. Cool. These guys like wrote it together. And I just have to say, as a recovering theater kid. <laughs> This movie really spoke to me. I thought it was uh, just wonderful. Um, really a surprise for me this year in, in the kind of in the dog days of the summer that we're kind mm-hmm. of in right now. So I really enjoyed this. Things that most people wouldn't get that theater kids would get. I think Abby would enjoy this movie a lot. Just I'll just say I think that. She would. <laughs> so I would highly recommend it. There's an original soundtrack I've been listening to also. That's just delightful. They wrote all the songs. And this is just the avenue Ben Platt needs to be in and not uh, playing teenagers anymore. So <laughs> good. Uh, props to him. Then I went to see Mutant Mayhem, of course. How was it? This was so fun. I am just so pleased with what 
like into the spider-verse has done for the world mm-hmm. of animation where for a while i feel like we've just kind of been in the uh the pixar dreamworks world where it just kind of all animation kind of looks the same but for the past five years i feel like we've really hit a bang and mm-hmm. this movie is just really simple and original but just the fact that it's the animation is just so comic booky and childlike it just adds a, a nice flair to it so <laughs> this movie was wonderful and uh I, I quite enjoyed it uh Calabunka. then the next day on sunday so i went friday saturday sunday so then my mm-hmm. sunday viewing was a nice uh horror movie afternoon of talk to me the new uh nice yeah 24 movie I went to see this with uh, Ajay, who's been on the pod, who's <gasps> talking pitch perfect with us. Fantastic. And uh, this was great. A nice Australian A24 horror movie. And mm-hmm. apparently a sequel is in the works. They've teased a sequel already. Cool. So yeah, the directors were YouTubers that I watched as a kid who did like some insane, like crazy like YouTube like sketches and stuff. Rocka, like they did Rocka Rocka, right? Yeah, that... Rocka Rocka. They did like <laughs> they had this like recurring bit of like a Ronald McDonald that would like swear and like kill people and stuff that was like really weird <laughs> um and they also did like a probably like the star wars versus harry potter is like probably like one of their biggest videos that you might know where Ooh. they just like have like lightsabers and wands and fight each other and it's like the two guys that directed the movie and it's Fun. really cool they would just basically destroy their house like every time they filmed a video and it would stress me out tremendous but, well um, yeah they're really cool yeah this was a cool avenue that they were in just like uh just a movie about like contacting the spirit world by Mm-hmm. talking with this embalmed hand and like the filmmaking is really really interesting and, and cool so i enjoyed that a lot uh so i had a great weekend at the the theater and then i came home this week and turned on zoe 102 oh no and my goodness did you watch zoe 101 growing up jackson i'm sure i you did. did and mm-hmm. recently i watched an interview with one of the stars who left after season one or two maybe three i don't oh, know how many yeah. seasons they had um, and she, cause she's kind of like in the center of this, like Jonah Hill stuff a little oh, bit. That's, oh, um, I didn't make that connection that that's that same actress. Well, she's not the one who's dating Jonah Hill. She's the one who like went to a party where she was 16 and Jonah Hill was like 24 or something, oh. something like that. And like, allegedly it was kind of weird. Got it. Um, but she also talked about like how, uh, the main star, um, I can't even think of her name. It's uh, the Jamie Lynn Spears. Yeah, Jamie, Jamie Lynn, Lynn Spears. Spears how mm-hmm. she would like bully her like on set pretty bad. And she like eventually left the show because of it. Yeah. And you can definitely tell because not the whole cast returns to this mm-hmm. this reboot, not reboot, reunion, I would say. Gotcha. And it took it took Lauren and I three days, four days to watch this because we kept watching like 10 minute increments to 15 minute increments. And we were like, this is bad. Is it one like is like a one thing or is it a show or it's a movie uh oh okay it's, gotcha. it's like an hour and 40 minutes and they all come to reunite because quinn and logan are getting married and but it's a lot of drama because zoe hasn't spoken to chase since high school and they're still hung up on this high school relationship and they're all like in their 30s now so it's interesting premise um i don't know who asked for this i <laughs> i didn't really enjoy it uh it was really strange and i don't know not for me but it's on paramount plus if you want to check it out but it just prompted me to just go back and watch zoe 101 which is also quite bad but just charming as a kid i was obsessed with that school like i wanted to go there pca baby yeah so yeah it's part of this uh the dan schneider universe so yeah all in this all in the same vein so then i guess go watch the icarly reboot too which i haven't watched but which Lauren says is is quite bad also. So mm. anywho, uh, that's what I've been into. I've been into a lot. And of course, I've been into Some Like It Hot this week, Jackson, which I rewatched. And I say, we discuss, shall we? What do you say? Let's do it. Let's go on to I'm ready for my close up. All right, Mr. DeMille, I'm ready for my close up. And as mentioned earlier today, we are talking Some Like It Hot. Not since Scarface, so much action. Not since the Marx Brothers, so much comedy. Not since the seven-year itch, so much Marilyn. The best picture this year will also be the funniest. Good night, sugar. 
Good night, honey. There's one thing sure, boy never met girl like this before. You've never laughed more at sex or a picture about it. You stay here as long as you like. Jack may have beaten Tony to the sugar, but not for long. You're not giving yourself a chance. Don't fight it. Relax. Hear Marilyn sing the fabulous songs of the Roaring Twenties on the United Artists soundtrack album. Running wild, lost control. Running wild, mighty bold. Feeling gay, reckless too. Carefree mind all the time, never blue. Always going, don't know where. Always showing, I don't care. Don't love nobody. It's not worthwhile. All alone. Running wild. From 1959, directed by Billy Wilder, who is one of my favorite uh, directors of the uh, early century, uh, directed movies like Sunset Boulevard, The Apartment, Double Indemnity, Sabrina, Witness for the Prosecution, all movies I really quite enjoy. Written by Billy Wilder and I.A.L. Diamond. I wish that was my name. Here's the synopsis. Uh, two <laughs> musicians witness a mob hit and struggle to find a way out of the city before they are found by the gangsters. Their only opportunity is to join an all-girl band as they leave on a tour. To make their getaway, they must first disguise themselves as women, then keep their identity secret and deal with the problems this brings, such as an attractive bandmate and a very determined suitor. Starring, of course, Jack Lemon, Tony Curtis, Marilyn Monroe, Joe E. Smith, Joan Shawley, and George Raft, just to name a few. Jackson, this was the first time watching, no? Yes, this was my first time checking it out. Uh, me and Abby watched it uh, on Max, I think. Yeah, dang, yep. it really has been a Max. Kind it of has, week. man. You're, you're um, plugging them hard. I yeah. Love it. yeah, it was our first time. I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. Uh, the first time I watched this, I believe, was during COVID, which is when I watched a lot of these movies on our top mm. 100, when I discovered all these movies. And I chose this movie today because, truthfully, it's just one of the funniest movies I've I've seen. And that still holds up. Jokes around mm -hmm. every corner. Uh, upon rewatch, you just find new things every time. And I thought it would just be an interesting discussion because of you know, this aura of Marilyn Monroe that hangs over mm -hmm. it. And we never really discussed Marilyn Monroe, except when I talked about blonde when it came out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I thought we would shed a positive light on, on Monroe and kind of get into the weeds of, of her and obviously Curtis and lemon, who we also haven't really talked about. So I'm excited. I also picked this. If you remember way back in the day, Jackson, when we did our top rom-coms episode, that mm -hmm. this was my number one rom-com. With, that's crazy and that i never like connected the dots there yeah and you know it's not really a conventional rom-com yeah it's definitely not se. conventional now uh which is why i was i was like trying to be edgy back in the day i was like oh this will get some clicks so i <laughs> i picked that probably you know. some like it hotheads oh yeah all the kids love this 1959 classic and hopefully <laughs> they check it out and they're listening to this so um so that's why I picked it. Jackson, what were your uh, initial thoughts uh, before we get into the weeds of it all of some like it hot? Yeah, for sure. Um, well, first thing uh, first, I wanted to point out that this is like a very different and refreshing comedy. I feel like mm -hmm. I feel like comedies today just aren't really that they're either raunchy or they are like, I guess, more in the traditional sense of rom-coms like this. Like this is yeah. just isn't like the typical angle you would go for yeah. um, in a modern comedy. And I really like it. Um, and I feel like maybe I should just we should just get the conversation out of the way real quick about like the representation of of drag of in this film and how it's used in the context of the film. Um, I think it's like hilarious, like the way that they do it. And like also at the same time, um, it is like because like it, it is this like wacky hijinks kind of situ situation. Yeah, it's a farce. Um, yeah. Yeah. But it's also very sincere in the way that like these guys are like exploring femininity and are like, huh, this kind of sucks. <laughs> like they're like. <laughs> They're like constantly uncomfortable. Like there, there's bits where they talk about how like the clothing is too exposing and breezy. Um, 
Yes. And just like the way that like men pursue them as well. Like, and, and like you kind of see like the toxic ways uh, in which men uh, engage with women, uh, mm-hmm. which for the time of the movie, too, is also like very surprising that this is like kind of the subject matter. Um, very much so. Yep. Yeah. Given that, I mean, obviously, it is played more for laughs, but like I think there's like an interesting modern lens that you can look at it with. Um, on top of that, the fact that uh, like as a society today, we live in a society, Carter. Um, it, it's just kind of crazy that like this movie would be so taboo if it came out today, just because like new age, like bigots are trying to find culture war issues to like yeah. justify legislating against like, like LGBTQ people, which, which sucks. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I don't think this movie, like, like if this movie came out today, like people would call it like pedophilic and grooming and oh, like, and like, Shapiro like obviously, a field day. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like no reasonable person I think would see that this movie is like that. Like, I definitely don't think it is. Mm-hmm. Um, And it's just like, it's fun. Like that's what, like that's what drag is. Like it's entertainment. It's funny. Like it's not supposed to be this big, serious, dramatic, evil thing. Like it is just like, yes, I don't know. And you know what's funny too? I I was like kind of curious why it was called drag, so I looked up the etymology of it. Ooh. And there's like a there's a ton of different theories, but I'll share you my favorite one. Please. They think it they they think it is called drag because in the 19th century, uh, the people on stage, which who were typically men playing women's roles, mm-hmm. their dresses would like drag on the stage, and that's why maybe it's called drag, which I think is kind of kind of neat. I kind of like that one. Me like that. I like that a lot. Uh, yes, uh, uh, very important to just note how far we've regressed as a society. Uh, mm-hmm. and looking back on this, as you mentioned, it's just so, so wholesome and kind of, they treat it with such care. And yeah. in, in terms of the rom-com, as you said, like, they're just all, they would all be like kind of raunchy and like kind of be the butt of the joke as we kind of progressed yeah. through the century. Mm-hmm. And we talked about it a little bit, even when we did Roman holiday, that there's just, there's such care and innocence and charm to it that it's just stood the test of time, which a yeah. lot of these comedies that we have today will probably not stand the test of time because of the latter. So, mm-hmm. and the lack of it. So, totally. so yeah. Um, wonderful. Uh, let me uh, hop into the time capsule with uh, great Scott. Great Scott. And let me tell you what was going on in 1959 Jackson. Uh, Big Paul Anka fan over there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> I, I'm trying to remember who that is. I assume I don't know who that is. Uh, no, he was a singer. Uh, him, yeah. Bobby Darren, Elvis Presley. Uh, you oh, yeah. know, they were they were around on the charts. Mac the Knife was a big song at the time. Uh, the big movies of the time were uh, okay. Ben, Ben-Hur, which uh, won Best Picture that year. Obviously, we'll talk about more of that later. One of our favorites, North by Northwest, came out this year Love as that well. One. That's also on our top 100. It is. So we'll be diving back into the 59 uh, later in the year or whenever we do this again. Uh, Sleeping Beauty, of course, came out this year as well. Mm. And uh, and I'll talk about the next movie that I want to mention in a minute when I talk about the box office. Uh, this was the third highest grossing movie of 1959 behind Ben-Hur and... The Shaggy Dog, baby. How about that? Is that the one where like he he punches the guy with like the fist that like looks like a dog? Do you know what think, I'm talking about? I think it is actually. Uh, <laughs> obviously, awesome. this this was remade with Tim Allen later in yeah. life, but uh, mm-hmm. th- this was the peak of cinema. Uh, some events that happened this year in 1959: uh, Alaska and Hawaii became a state, so we became the 50 states in 1959. How thrilling is that? Uh, the Ruskies made it to space. Those Russians, they got there before us, and we were like, let's do it. Let's send a chimp up there. Uh, The U.S. recognized Fidel Castro's government in Cuba, which aged perfectly, and Mm -hmm. which is pretty prescient given what we just talked about uh, earlier. Barbie debuted this year. Mattel. No way. Wow, Uh, look at that. Yeah. So how about them apples? So that's what was going on in 1959. Let me give you a little background of how this movie came to be, which is a a quite fascinating uh, production. Uh, Billy Wilder wrote the script for the film with the writer I.A.L. Diamond, as I mentioned, and mm-hmm. the plot was based on a screenplay uh, for a 1935 French film called Fanfare of Love. And the original script for that movie was untraceable. They couldn't find it. So 
they found a copy of a 1951 German remake called Fanfares of Love. More than just one fanfare this time. All right. And so Wilder bought the rights to the script and worked to produce the new story. And both films kind of follow the story of two musicians in search of work. But Wilder created this gangster subplot that keeps the musicians kind of on the run and keeps the the story progressing. Mm -hmm. And initially the script was sent in contemporary times, which would have been 1959. Uh, But they felt they needed a situation more powerful than poverty to compel the characters to dress as women. So yeah, not as not as great as the as doing the prohibition era for sure. Yeah. So so Diamond <laughs> suggested that a period setting would make it easier for the audience to accept female impersonation. So they were still trying to get around that even in the 50s. Sure. And Wilder then came up with the idea to set the story during the jazz age and have the characters witness uh, a gangland slain as motivation for hiding out. Now, just some stuff about the prog- production, which I didn't want to say for trivia. I just wanted to bring it up now that the studio hired a female impersonator to coach Jack Lemon and Tony Curtis on gender illusion for the film, which I thought was pretty cool and pretty with it for the time. And when Tony Curtis and Jack Lemon first put on the, the makeup and costumes, they walked around MGM studios lot to see if they could pass as women. Mm-hmm. And then they tried using mirrors and public ladies rooms to fix their makeup. And when none of the women using it complained, they knew they could be convincing as women. So how about that? They, That's they, pretty great. They did a little, they did a little method acting test. And so pretty cool. Pretty cool. So let's get into it. Jackson with you did it. Congratulations. You did it. Congratulations. And what works in the movie for you, buddy? Well, yeah, I just want to talk about first just the comedy aspect, uh, which we mm-hmm. briefly mentioned. It is just like objectively great, uh, witty banter, banter, uh, fast-paced dialogue. Uh, oh, there, yeah. There's really good visual gags. Um, I don't know. I think I think it's all there. Specifically, something I wanted to, to talk about that I feel like you wouldn't get in modern comedies is like there's this, and this is just like a very small example, but <laughs> there's at one point in the beginning of the film where they're talking about betting on the dogs. <laughs> and like he talks about this one dog that's a mutter, which I thought was really funny because I've been rewatching Seinfeld lately, and like a mutter is something that like there's like a whole bit in that in, in like season three. Um, but uh, they're they're talking about betting their coats on this dog to mm-hmm. get money, and then it just cuts to them in like this snowstorm, and they're walking around like without their coats, <laughs> and it's just like it's one. It's a quick little bit that like works really well. It's fast paced. It doesn't hold your hand, but mm-hmm. also I feel like modern comedies would like make you go to the racetrack to watch them lose. And then you cut to like, I don't know, like it just show don't like, tell. Yeah. Yeah. Which is like, usually, I mean, obviously sometimes you want show don't, don't tell, but like in this example, like I feel like you can do so much with just the telling and not showing. Um, I, I don't know. I just feel like you don't get like the off screen references uh, these days. Like, you yeah. Used to. It's something like in Billy Wilder's uh, aura and his comedic style intermixed with just everyday life that he's so good at mm-hmm. in, in his movies. And I, I think that's a, a great testament to it. And there's all of these jokes that return, like he scatters breadcrumbs for you throughout the movie that mm-hmm. like this type O joke, type, like o, type yeah. o blood joke that you think is just <laughs> a, a throwaway line. It comes around like three a other bunch. times and it's <laughs> it really pays off every time when they're talking about you know staying in the sheboygan conservatory then you know sugar says that line as well when she's talking to the millionaire mm-hmm. uh, so like all these breadcrumbs keep keep coming around and then even the payoff of when the guy mentions he he lost his glasses and and then joe has the glasses because sugar mentioned she likes people with glasses and Oh yeah, all these things just return. And as you mentioned, the pacing of this movie, I feel like when you get to the hotel, especially that this movie just it does not slow down. It just goes, yep. goes, goes. And it's just there's a laugh line around every corner and the pacing is just mm-hmm. incredible. So it is I a think- two hour comedy too, which is like it kind of a testament to show that like they do get a lot of stuff in there, but it doesn't feel super crowded at the same time. Not at all. And even yeah. at, at the end of the movie, there's like 15 minutes left and like nothing is resolved. Mm-hmm. And somehow <laughs> they wrap it all up really quickly with just a quick gang murder and then just running for the boat and, and everyone's just on the boat driving away, which is just a brilliant ending to tie up this movie. That's just a complete farce for the whole time. It's just mm-hmm. it's wonderful. I want to mention just the trio of Lemon, Curtis and Monroe. Oh, they're uh, great. 
because they absolutely carry the movie. Had you seen any, I'll start with Marilyn Monroe. Had you seen any Marilyn Monroe movies or media other than like just, you know, the, the sex Knowing icon of, her, of it all? Yeah. yeah. No, th- no, this is my first uh, exposure to Marilyn Monroe in, in like film. And just like kind of uh, how Roman Holiday introduced like Audrey Hepburn for me. Like this was uh-huh. like, I was like, oh, like I get it now. Like I, I am on board. I understand the charm and she's great. She's super fantastic. Also really ironic because wasn't she like dating a mobster in real life too? Uh, there, there were some, there were some rumors around Interesting. She, she, she dated around a lot. Um, cool, at, cool, the, cool. at the time she was dating Arthur Miller, uh, the mm. playwright uh, around oh, this time. So just for a little perspective. But yeah, I feel like this paints a, a good picture as Marilyn Monroe being more than just a sex symbol or the peop- the, the woman that they think had an affair with the president. Like mm-hmm. you could tell she was a legitimate star in the 50s. Oh yeah. And like she much like Audrey Hepburn kind of jumped off the screen in Roman Holiday. This wasn't mm-hmm. Monroe's like first performance obviously. She had hit it big like 2 years prior with uh The Seven Year Itch, which is the famous, you know, upskirt fan blowing yeah uh movie so i think this really cemented her as somebody who could hold the screen and really hold a comedic role so props to her we'll talk a lot more about her and her her troubles later because this is quite Mm -hmm. an interesting production but and then uh tony curtis and jack lemon had you ever encountered them at all no i don't i don't think i've seen any of the the stuff that they've been in either um, yeah. I've heard of I've heard of like Glen Gary, Glen, Glen Ross, and uh, some oh, other yeah. stuff like that. But but yeah, I have not seen uh, their performances. I like them a lot. Like they were kind of giving. I was I was telling Abby this. Like uh, Tony Curtis was kind of giving like a Adam West Batman vibe, and Jack Lemmon was kind of giving like a Robin <laughs> to his bat. Like I don't know. Like it just felt very. <laughs> Uh, like they had a fun little duo going on and I really liked them. Also, Jack Lemmon has like this like Jim Carrey persona to him almost. Oh yeah. Like we're like like either like in his bits or like just in like his face even like he i don't know it was very reminiscent of jim carrey to me which i i enjoyed they're both yeah, very fun yeah jack lemon is is wonderful he's one of my favorite actors and uh tony curtis who you might have known this for just have forgotten if you can put a face to a name now this is uh jamie lee curtis's father so oh no way okay yeah, so cool. when she thanked her mother and father in her acceptance speech at the oscars this mm-hmm. is tony curtis this is gotcha. okay cool so so yeah, very fun. So yeah, I just had to I had to mention them. Um anything else that that really works for you? Um yeah, of course. Yeah, um I I got to shout out the fact cuz we we talked about this too. Like this is like a comedy first and foremost, but also mm-hmm. like the craft that goes into making this like very serious at the same time. Mm-hmm. Cuz I feel like I don't know. I feel like with again with modern comedies, you do get like like if you focus on the comedy and it's like kind of a raunchy comedy everything else is not going to be like super polished or nice it's just whatever works like whatever they can get in that works Mm -hmm. the stunts and the action in this movie i was so shocked by yeah um because it it opens with like a car chase yeah an Um, intense car chase an intense car chase and abby kind of joked that it was like a little boring but then immediately like they crash into some cars and like they're doing spin outs which is stuff that you know at the time like obviously they're doing practically and it 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 looks great like it it is just like you have people climbing buildings and doing like not parkour but like basic for for the time they're doing the parkour bits um and like of course like the gunfights and the mob stuff just works really well i think as like a contrast to what's going on yeah, I think it's a, a pretty brilliant setting because it's mm-hmm. completely different than what's happening in the middle of the film. Like it yeah. kind of sandwiches, it bookends the movie. And mm-hmm. when you're watching the movie in the middle, you kind of forget that this mob plot line is happening and it's what propelled them to yeah. even dress as women in the first place. But yeah, what you said that that car chases, like a car gets like sideswiped. Like there's yeah, no green screen going great. on there. Yeah. And like you can tell, it, it, like just to juxtapose, juxtapose it or later in the movie when like some they're riding the bike to the dock and that's all mm-hmm. green screen like you can tell the difference there so yeah i think it's a great way to set the stage establish the prohibition era and even the just the funeral parlor as a speakeasy is just so a, cool such a cool Mozzarella's funeral parlor <laughs> yeah just so great tremendous so so yeah i like that we mentioned that it's not offensive it's very innocent mm-hmm. um and i mentioned the jokes and the pacing and I also just want to mention that the narrative changes between the characters because at first Jack Lemon's character is the one that wants to dress as women, and then it just flips back and forth as mm-hmm. what, whoever fill whoever's need it fills at the time. It's like that's the one that wants to kind of carry on with it. So I just enjoy that. And 
finally, I just love that it expounds on its original concept. Like, yes, they dress as women, but then you don't really expect like that second hat to drop where like Joe is dressing like a young millionaire, the Shell mm-hmm. Jr. <laughs> Shell Jr. Also insane to realize that like Shell Oil has been around for this long. It's like, oh, okay, cool. That's like yeah. an established brand. Um, so, so like they're all like lying to each other. Even sugar is kind of lying mm-hmm. about where she comes from when she meets the shell oil guy and just everyone's lying and the thread is unraveling even further and it just goes further and further out of control. And it's well, yeah, and, I mean, her character is like on the run herself, just like mm-hmm. trying to get away from like her life and wants to start anew and in, yeah. in, in like a similar way. Like, I, I think her character is just so great. Her name, Sugar Cane, great name. Incredible. Cane with a K, by the way. Yeah. So. Drag queens would, would kill for a name like that. Oh, I'm sure day. someone has Sugar Cane as a name out there. <laughs> it's great. Um, Wonderful. Do you have anything else or do you want to you move on? Let's move on to the favorite scene. Amazing. Uh, What do you got? Do you have a few? Do you have one that sticks out? I, or? I, yeah, I have a few. Uh, the first one I do want to shout out, just like the speakeasy scene in the beginning, because... yeah. I'm a sucker for a cool speakeasy, like the whole like pulling the dial on the organ and like the room opening <laughs> up to like the crazy band and the dancing girls and mm-hmm. the dude who like is too drunk and gets thrown out, which is a, a really funny gag that they I play. Want another like, coffee. The- yeah. Yeah. Um, all of that is just super fun. Um, I, yeah. I really like that scene. Yeah. That's a, again, just a great setup, setting the premise of our characters, mm-hmm. introducing them and Yeah. I like that as well. I had that written down as well. Just a great opening to the scene. It's uh, interesting how much we follow the detective in that too, because he becomes such a like not important character. Like that yeah. shows up like, like one more time. Like you almost think he's going to be like one of the POV characters, but uh, no, we do not nope. see him as much as we, as we initially think. Just the beginning and the end of the movies. Mm-hmm. Love it. Uh, what else? Um, And then I also just wanted to shout out like the train car sequences, like whenever they get on, uh, so the fun. train as the women and like you know like there's the first introduction of like like them like kind of meeting sugar cane and like we realize that she's kind of like a fun little alcoholic back in the day <laughs> um during the prohibition and you know like uh we have uh jack lemon slash daphne first of all the fact that he uh <laughs> they're gonna go with uh geraldine and josephine and then like he immediately like gets further into his character and he's like i'm daphne by the way and, and <laughs> incredible and and joe's just like all right like cool i guess (laughs) yeah Um, amazing wonderful it's just a wonderful start yeah Yeah, and they get on the train and then they do this musical number i just love that they're rehearsing just in the back of the train car that's gotta be so loud in that train car too the acoustics must be yeah and like like crazy is the whole train for them like is the whole train for the whole band or are there other people on this train it's like it's so weird like like the whole like sleeping in like the one of the cars is like just beds and like that's yeah. kind of like the party scene where um where jack thinks he's like he's gonna hook up with sugar kind of in this weird like way and then like all these girls come over to his bunk and he gets really mad about it and he's there's just a party in like, upper seven <laughs> yeah just like all the girls like going to get uh drunk they're like mixing like the drinks in this uh like hot water bottle which is really funny too and <laughs> just that whole sequence is great sugar when sugar cane gets in the the bed and it's like if there's anything i can do for you and he's like i can think of a million things and yeah. she gets in and he's like that's one of them <laughs> <laughs> so Tremendous. great um that's and then sad. joe like obviously gets mad and he's like well this this wasn't me like <laughs> like this wasn't my fault like this just kind of happened um yeah all that stuff is really great and then he goes off and has the kind of heart to heart with sugar and mm-hmm. that's when he finds out that she's got a thing for for tenor sax players yes <laughs> <laughs> just happenstance and learns about she likes glasses and all these mm-hmm. things and and yeah it's just and then at the same time <laughs> Daphne's just like oh she's ticklish and then she pulls the pulls the emergency, <laughs> emergency break. break yeah so if this is for other people like I'd be pretty mad too I guess if uh <laughs> and they just the girls come 
flying out of the bunk. It's just <laughs> an hilarious visual gag. It, it's wonderful. Yeah, the, all the train stuff is great. Uh, what else you got? Um, I guess I skipped one, but this this will be my last one. Just um, the whole um, I really like the what's his name toothpick charlie and like they they go to pick up the car (laughs) and like the mobster shows up and like shoots all the guys and they're just like hiding behind the car like that that whole stuff is like i like the mob stuff a lot in this like it weirdly works super well yeah it's surprisingly it's just the juxtaposition of it all just surprisingly works and the mob members are goofy too especially yeah there's one with the the voice who like is so hoarse and like (laughs) yeah like every time he talks i'm like man get this guy some water like this dude is struggling to get his lines out it sounds like yeah that dude has such a unique face it's uh, yeah all his mob members are <laughs> what, what's it? spats colombo what a yeah. name <laughs> what a name incredible Amazing. name uh so yeah that, all that stuff is good too um i want to just shout out the the introduction of osgood mm-hmm. uh when they what get a off weird the guy what's a weirdo yeah just i just love the the introduction the line of just old wealthy people in their rocking chairs and they all mm-hmm. put the paper down and pull their pipe out when all the the girls come off the bus and uh and yeah he just gets on the elevator and sets up sets up that relationship between uh between Daphne and mm-hmm. and Osgood and gets on the elevator and slaps him and then and yeah, so that's the, what does he keep going? He goes, wow, Z or something. <laughs> Zowie or something. Zowie, like that. that's yeah. what it is. He's like, Zowie. So I, I have to shout out that introduction. Um, um, also, how old is he supposed to be? Because he feels like he's like 50 to me. He but probably I feel isn't. Like, I feel like they play him as like he's the 70 year old guy, though, because they're Who, like, like still to- listens to his mother. And like, it's such a funny, like weird. He's, <laughs> he's just a strange guy. Yeah, because um, they're like, I hope these guys brought their grandchildren with them and the things like that when they're when they're talking about trying to find suitors. So, yeah, yeah, I don't know. It's just a strange concept. And, and again, it works. It's so goofy mm-hmm. and it's really it works, funny and it really pays off towards the end of the movie. Um, Then I got a shout out Joe showing up as the millionaire on the beach, as we mentioned, yes. Um, sits down in the chair, tells the kid to scram, who's just like picking, <laughs> picking up shells in the bucket. Uh <laughs> And then Sugar comes over and he's just talking about his yacht. And she's like, who raises the flag? He's like, my flag steward. And who makes the cocktails? My cocktail steward. <laughs> uh, yeah, the, the, the af- absolute confidence to just show up on a boat that you don't own and just be like, ah, yes, this is mine. And I'll show you how to do everything. And like, he's trying to find like the lounge, like to where they can like drink. And they're just like, is it this store? No, this is a closet. And like the way yeah, that, that he just really is- kind of stumbles into it and good for him. That scene is awesome. I need to I need to mention that. Um, the last thing about when they're on the beach and meeting him the first time and, and Daphne comes over and, and recognizes and mm-hmm. and he's like, if I were a girl and I am, I'd watch my step around. Him. <laughs> just just so fun. Um, yeah. Then I have kind of the double date set up where mm-hmm. where Osgood and Daphne are, are on their date just da- just dancing until yeah and it cuts to, and like he's like so happy at the end of the night like with like the flower in bed and just like oh we're gonna get married and it's just like okay yeah it, it progresses or <laughs> they're the only ones dancing yeah <laughs> just tremendous stuff but but yeah the the junior sugar double date mm-hmm. just uh, even from the beginning where they get on the boat and they have to go in reverse because he can't get it out <laughs> can't of figure it out yeah reverse and she's like so funny you being out of gas is uh is just hilarious is the shell oil guy yeah yeah and then my favorite my favorite line from this exchange because there's there's just like one-liners this this whole scene on the on the yacht in this suite feels like the the dinner party episode of the office for me yes because one-liners are just flying off the cuff when <laughs> she's like water polo isn't that dangerous he's like <laughs> i'd say i had two horses drown under me look at all that silverware uh, trophies you know, skeet shooting, dog breeding, water polo. Water polo, isn't that terribly dangerous? I'll say I had two ponies drowned under me. Where's your heel collection? Mm. Yes, of course. Now, where could they have put it? You see, on Thursdays, I'm sort of lost around here. What's on Thursday? It's the cruise night off. You mean we're alone on the boat? Completely. You know, I've never been completely alone with a man before in the middle of the night, in the middle of the ocean. Oh, it's perfectly safe. We're well anchored. Ships in ship shape shape. 
and the Coast Guard promised to call me if there were any icebergs around. Yeah, like, I had to explain. I had to explain that joke to Abby because she didn't know what water polo. Like she, she did not get it. Um, so, so great. great. That joke was really good. I liked that a lot. So great. And then just <laughs> the audacity of the scene to just keep kissing Marilyn Monroe and saying, "Yep, I feel nothing." Is just. Yeah, what a crazy approach. Like, not only are you lying about being rich, but you're like, yeah, like, nobody can excite me. And, like, he kind of <laughs> does, like, a whole, like, it's so weird. Yeah. It, it worked, I guess. Like, And, and it worked. So, yeah. So that whole scene works tremendously well. Probably the funniest scene in, in, in the movie. And then, uh, then my final one is just, I just have to shout out the final 15 minutes of the movie because mm-hmm. nothing is resolved. And then in that time span, they escape from the mob they shoot up spats and his gang and they're running around and then josephine comes and kisses sugar on stage and yep. then they all run to the boat and and they ride off into the sunset and of course the famous line at the end which is i think on the top 100 afi lines or something of all time is he's like well it will never work i'm a man and he just goes and osgood just goes nobody's perfect and then the movie <laughs> ends just a so great on the end such the a movie. wild way to end the movie like on just like a such a funny gag yeah because they're still just on the run right because now yeah. the whole the whole mob is after them now uh even though they're probably getting arrested with like that mussolini type guy what's his name mm-hmm. little bonaparte or something yes 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 little bonaparte <laughs> and he can't hear he's got like the headset in just yeah that was such an interesting like i don't know if like, the actor was like that or if that was just like a fun little thing that they wanted to add to the character just so ridiculous i I love it and um, yeah he was like the king of like uh uh it, like insulting like backhanded compliments and stuff like some people like it's almost like trumpian like many people are saying and like that you can't do <laughs> i disagree but many people uh apparently they modeled him after mussolini uh that's so interesting so just crazy stuff um <laughs> are there any things in there i didn't mention that you wanted to bring up about favorite scenes or anything uh, no, I feel like you, you nailed like a lot of them. Do you want to move on to quotes? Yeah, you got a favorite quote? The one that really stuck with me is... Story of my life. I always get the fuzzy end of the lollipop. <laughs> <laughs> so charming and cute. What a great delivery. That is um, great. I love it. Just I, I love that. Advice. Um, I'm not going to say the obvious one, which is nobody's perfect. Um, just my favorite moment in the movie is... Uh, I'm engaged. Congratulations. Who's the lucky girl? I am. <laughs> <laughs> just the delivery of that. Apparently they had to, um, they inserted the bit about the maracas that he has right there, like playing mm. with the maracas because they had to leave filler time because when they screened it, the audience went wild and they couldn't hear the rest of the dialogue in that scene. So they had to, they did had some filler of him playing had with for the maracas. That's so. great. Tremendous stuff. But yeah, that's my favorite one. Right behind that's the fantastic the water polo line. It's just Yeah. Just, the just water so polo wonderful. line is really good. So good. Um wonderful. Let's move on to Houston. We have a problem. Houston, we have a problem. Jackson, what uh what could have been better here, you think? You know, I think the only problem, like ethical problem with this movie, mm-hmm. for the most part, uh, is like not not that they're dressed as women, but that when when Joe dresses up as the rich, affluent uh, yachtsman, Shell Junior, to like yeah. get laid, kind of like mm-hmm. I think that's like the the worst deception. Not like the man dressed as a woman, but the man dressed as another richer man who can like yeah. provide for her and find her love and stuff like that. Like I think that's like the only like kind mm-hmm. of yikesy part of it. But it's like she's fine with it at the end, so it doesn't really seem to matter. I don't think because yeah. like she ends up with him, right? Like. Because they kiss and like, he tells her and they're on the boat and everything seems okay, at least. Yeah, they they tie it up with a bow at the end. Everyone has their has their partner, even mm-hmm. <laughs> even Daphne and Osgood. Yeah, I guess so. It's. <laughs> yeah, do you think they end up together? I think maybe. <laughs> Some like it hotter. The sequel. It's their <laughs> it's their wedding. There's a musical out, Broadway musical, by the way, out. Some like it hotter. Oh, really? Right so, That's fun. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I could I can I can see your point there. Um, I just had a few and I have one major one that I'll talk about later when we get into like trivia facts. My first two are just, it's pretty poor lip syncing. I would say for mm. in some parts with Marilyn, on Marilyn Monroe's part, it is actually her singing. 
I was I was but, wondering if like it was or not. So it's not yeah. like a live. Uh, it's I don't think it's live because there are some moments where you can kind of see, but it is her singing. So they recorded her early at some point, but cool. and dubbed over it. Um, the first performance where they're the first performance at the hotel, and she mentions like, "Oh, it's five minutes to one, and they're supposed to be having supper after this." It just <laughs> that's really late for me, man. I don't know. <laughs> so that's that was my uh, my biggest qualm, but. The one I kind of want to open up, which just hasn't aged well, is just Marilyn Monroe on this set. Um, mm. I don't know if you know anything about the the production troubles of oh, no. the history of Marilyn Monroe, but this there were many problems with uh, with her on this set because this is around the time where she was addicted to pills at this time. Mm. So she was constantly late to set, couldn't memorize any of her lines. A lot of her takes were like, they had to do like 35 to 40 takes for really? every line. According to Tony Curtis, uh, they had to do all these takes for her. Like the line, it's me, sugar, apparently took 47 takes to get correct because she kept flubbing, mixing the words up. She would say sometimes, sugar, it's me, or it's sugar, me. Like she couldn't. Oh, no. Get it right I to agree. the fact where like Curtis and Lemon were like making side bets during the filming how many takes she would need to get it right, Aww. Uh, which is kind of sad. And yeah, it's just, that sucks. It's just unfortunate. Like, but then there were like you know three days were scheduled for shooting the the beach scene with with Shell Junior and Sugar, mm-hmm. um, but because Marilyn had a lot of complicated lines in that scene, but the scene was finished in only twenty minutes that day. So Dang, like, all right. There were some days where she was bringing it and some days where she was really struggling with with her addiction. So, Mm. and apparently like Arthur Miller, like tried to influence the production as well, who was her husband at the time. Mm. And so there was a lot of chicanery going on. And I just want to pull this Billy Wilder quote who spoke in 1959 about making another movie with Marilyn Monroe because he made the seven year itch with her two years prior. So this Mm. was her second movie with her. And on the thought of uh, making another film with Monroe, he said, I've discussed this with my doctor and my psychiatrist, (laughs) and they tell me I'm too old and too rich to go through this again. (laughs) So pretty tough. And then, um, uh, yeah, so and then he also stated that Monroe played her part wonderfully, though. So then he like backpedaled a couple of years later. And then (laughs) this one is tough. This is why I have this and what could have been better. The treatment of her. Uh, on the latter part years later wilder noted i think there are more books on marilyn monroe than there are on world war ii and there's a great similarity so oh my gosh i don't know man that 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 (laughs) stuff is 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 poor when you so tough looks there for for marilyn monroe who by all accounts was an icon but did have her struggles so i just wanted to mention that here because it could have been better her treatment of her on the set and her addiction so yeah Wonderful. Let's move on to you like me. You really like me. And I can't deny the fact that you like me right now. You like me. And talking Oscars real quick. Mm -hmm. Uh, This movie won one Oscar. Uh, It won best costume design parentheses black and white when we used to have Mm -hmm. two. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. Um, Makes sense, I guess. But that's that's really fascinating. And apparently the movie was set in black and white after the fact because the makeup on Tony Curtis and Jack Lemon had like a greenish tint. So oh. they like couldn't do it in color or else it looked really weird. So hmm. so pretty interesting. Uh nominated for best actor for Jack Lemon, uh best director for Wilder and then adapted screenplay, cinematography and art direction. Did not hmm. win any of those. This was kind of the year Ben Hur kind of cleaned up in all the major categories. Yeah. So uh jackson golden odie who you giving your golden odie to yes um i'm gonna give my golden odie to marilyn monroe just because she was just a a scene stealer i did not know like obviously like all the behind the scenes stuff but i thought you know they got a good performance out of her uh yeah despite it all like she she really came together and and pulled it together she's just tremendous so yeah Yeah, and i just i just get the hype i understand it now so yeah go marilyn uh I was also going to give my gold note to Marilyn Monroe, but for just the sake of a uh, variety, I'll give mine to Jack Lemon because nice. he's just so much fun. And one of my favorite actors, he can do drama, he can do comedy mm-hmm. and he's just wonderful and very slapsticky in this. And very, you can tell he's much more comfortable 
I think mm-hmm. in the uh, in the drag than Tony Curtis is, who is kind of a masculine ideal at the time. You know, he was in Spartacus and things like yeah. that. So you can tell he's a little more comfortable in it and didn't really care. So he's just very more more free. So sure, I enjoy him. And also shout out Joe E. Brown who plays uh, Osgood. Just honorable mention because he's got a weird part to play and he does it wonderfully. So yes. Uh, who are you giving your squeaker to, Jackson? This okay. I'm giving my squeaker <laughs> to one guy who I I don't know what his name is in the movie, but it's the dude who's flipping that coin. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like, there's oh this whole, yeah, there's this whole mobster scene where like he's talking to this dude, and this guy is flipping a coin, and he doesn't know how to flip a coin, Carter. It is so <laughs> distractingly annoying. Like he'll flip it, and then he'll like immediately clumsily grab it out in the air, and it's just terrible. It looks so bad. Um, I believe I lied on his resume. Like it was I be- awful. I believe I could be wrong. I think his name is Johnny Paradise in the film, <laughs> and he's okay. actually played by Edward G. Robinson Jr., who okay. is the son of a of a screen legend, Edward G. Robinson. So mm. that's probably why. That, and that's a nepo baby right there. So man, it was it <laughs> was flip awful. It's a, a good point. I I hadn't thought about that, but yeah, he definitely didn't know. Um. My squeaker, I'm given to Toothpick Charlie uh, mm. for just being a rat. He sold out, rat. sold out his buddies and then paid the price. Paid the price. Tried to <laughs> tried to pick up the phone and just got destroyed. <laughs> <laughs> Poor guy. So, yeah, Toothpick Charlie's getting my squeaker. Uh, let's move on to Shirley, You Can't Be Serious. Shirley, You Can't Be Serious. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. And let me read you some trivia facts, Jackson. Please do. Some, some little inside behind the scenes scoops. Um the uh, the the film's closing line, while nobody's perfect, is ranked 78th on the Hollywood Reporter list of Hollywood's 100 favorite movie lines. Fantastic. But it was never supposed to be in the final cut. Really? Diamond and Wilder put it in the script as a placeholder until they could come up with something better, but they never <laughs> did. And Sometimes uh, it's just how the creative process goes. Just, I know. You it's grow funny. fondly of the, of the placeholder. It's funny. And a lot of times that just seems to be the case where these famous lines are like either improv or like weren't ever meant to be spoken. Mm-hmm. So just how it goes. And funnily enough, Wilder's tombstone even pays homage to the line by reading, I'm a writer, but then nobody's perfect. So that's what it says <laughs> on his tombstone. Um, years after the film's release, a movie reviewer asked Tony Curtis why his Josephine was so much more feminine than Jack Lemmon's Daphne. And Curtis explained he was so scared to be playing a woman or a man pretending to be one that his tightly wound body language could be read as demure and shy, traditionally mm-hmm. feminine traits. Whereas Lemon, who was completely unbothered and <laughs> ran out of his dressing room screaming like the Queen of Mary, that's a quote, kept much of his masculine <laughs> body language. I just Interesting. Thought, thought that was fun. Um, another scene, there's a scene required, remember in the movie where Marilyn Monroe walks in and is like rummaging through the drawers trying to find her line is where's the bourbon? Mm-hmm. So after 40 takes of her saying, where's the whiskey, where's the bottle, or where's the bonbon, apparently, those are all the things she said and not the line, Wilder pasted the correct line in one of the drawers, and uh-huh. after Monroe became confused about which drawer contained the line, Wilder had it pasted in every drawer. Every single one. <laughs> and 59 takes were required for this scene, and when she finally does say it, her back is to the camera. So some people wonder if Wilder just gave up and had it dubbed. So <laughs> we don't know if she actually spoke the line, but yeah, she was going through it at the time. Um, Tony Curtis said that he asked Billy Wilder if he could imitate. Do you want to know? Do you want to take a guess who he bases his um, his Shell Jr. millionaire role on? His voice? At the time, I have um, like a James Bond type maybe. Kind of close. Um, okay. He tried to imitate Cary Grant, Cary Grant's mm. voice. So if you can kind of hear it when you go back and watch that, he's kind of doing Cary Grant, which is kind of cool because this is North by Northwest here, obviously. Yeah. too. Yeah, yeah. So um, and Wilder liked it. They shot it that way. And apparently Grant saw the movie, saw the parody of himself and stated jokingly, I don't talk like that. <laughs> That's great. Uh, upon its original release, Kansas banned the film from being shown in the state explaining that cross-dressing was, quote, too disturbing for Kansans. So that's an L for Kansas. <sighs> gotcha. Yep. Um, so for the role of Jerry, which is Jack Lemmon's uh, role, uh, there were four people kind of in consideration. 
the first was Danny Kay. The second was Jerry Lewis, which mm. could have been fun. The third was Frank Sinatra, but he did not Weird. show up to the audition. <laughs> he just like that sounds him. right. That sounds like Frank. <laughs> and finally, since we did we did this movie earlier, uh, Anthony Perkins was also considered, who's mm. Psycho, Norman Bates. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So different movie, but you know, interesting because Dang, he, you know a different timeline where there'd be like a bunch of. Uh, some like a hot sequels where he just keeps showing true. up like a decade later and <laughs> true and funny he must have been so upset with the role that he's like you know what in th- in next year i'm gonna dress as a woman i'm gonna play <laughs> yeah that's, that is funny like yeah that is kind of interesting how that um, out. tony curtis had a lot to say about this movie in, in interviews um curtis confirmed that the voice of his character's female alter ego josephine was an mm-hmm. audio modulation of both his own voice and of a voice actor named Paul Freeze. Really? So it's not even weird. Okay. So yeah. is it like dubbed? Apparently I on guess? this on the set, um, Curtis had difficulty maintaining the falsetto for an extended mm-hmm. time, and Wilder didn't like it in post, so he morphed the voice with Paul Freeze kind of weird okay. over it. So there's kind of a mixture going on there, which is I, I I don't think it like like it shows. Like you can tell, like really like it feels very natural, I think. Yeah, I think so too. It feels yeah. it feels pretty good, especially for the time when mm-hmm. it was probably hard to do some stuff like that. Yeah. Um, at the time, Marilyn Monroe was pregnant during filming, and as a result, looked quote considerably heavier. Oh, stop! Time. Come on. Um, <laughs> Are you serious? I yeah, hate people, man. Ridic- ridiculous. Oh. Um, and so apparently, for most of the pub- publicity photos for the movie. They were posed for by uh, Sandra Warner, who was, has an uncredited role in, in the movie as one of the band members. So it just as the body double. And Monroe's frequent stand-in with uh, was also used for marketing that they just s- superimposed Monroe's head on her, which is Aww. really just crazy marketing, which is ridiculous. So mm-hmm. um, I got two more for you, uh, which are just fun. The last one is the most fun. Um, the character of Spats Columbo is yes. uh is in is reminiscent to uh al capone yeah and capone was responsible for the saint valentine's massacre in 1929 and this is the same massacre that occurs in this movie mm-hmm. um that they just named but they just attributed to a different uh different guy of a fake gangster that they created so and it's in chicago shout out on clark mm-hmm. street i live near there um and finally supposedly when the uh, costume designer of the movie was measuring all three stars for dresses, he like half jokingly told Marilyn Monroe that Tony Curtis has a better ass than her. And at which point Monroe pulled open her blouse and said, yeah, but he doesn't have tits like these. And that (laughs) is where I'll, I'll leave you. I'll cap off my trivia with that. (laughs) Fantastic. Tremendous. Shout out Marilyn Monroe. Um, Jackson, does it pass the Bechtel test? I believe it does just because of sugar cane and sweet Sue. Yeah. I believe yeah, they like, argue enough that it counts. Yeah. They talk about our alcohol problem mm-hmm. a little bit and other bandmates talk about, you know, <laughs> cheese and crackers and wine. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, there's a lot of women in this movie, obviously. So good representation there. Mm-hmm. Um, the Rick Dalton meme test, Jackson, does it pass? It definitely does. And I even pointed at the screen when they said something like that. <laughs> you did it. You did the I meme. Did the, I did the meme. Incredible. Yes. It's uh, it's Shell Jr., right? Where he's like, well, I suppose some like it hot. Yes, something yes, like yes, that. yes. Yep. Talking about uh, the jazz. He's like, but I prefer classical music. Yes. What a guy. Uh, good date movie? Uh, I think so. I yep. think Abby liked it. Yeah. It's, it's like a funny. I think a comedy is like a solid date movie. I think so too. It's fine. Yeah. Um, anything we missed before we go to the list is life. Any final, final thoughts or anything you wanted to mention that we haven't? I don't think so. Beautiful. We did it. Good we stuff. It. Then let's move on to the list is life. Then Jackson. The list is an absolute good. The list is life. And as I mentioned, this is the 25th film we're adding to the, rcr top 100 movie rankings Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um what do you what do you think let's let's compare it to kind of a contemporary movie of its time as well roman holiday yes Uh, so i was gonna say because like on our list right we have we have uh some of the classic movies like not on the bottom but like maybe towards like the middle bottom mm -hmm, like mr smith goes to washington roman holiday 
Yeah, I on, I on personally feel like this is better than Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, but also not as good as Roman Holiday. It's kind of where I'm leaning. I could I don't I know how you feel on that. I I definitely think I definitely don't want to put it above like A Star Is Born. Sure. Um but I think it's definitely right here in this range. Yeah. Um I don't know. For me, I th- I think I would put it above Roman Holiday and that's where I'd stop. Okay. But it's just a slight edge out. But I think that that sounds right. I, this is one of my, I gave this five stars. It's one of my favorite movies. Okay. But, then yeah, let's put it above Roman holiday. Then let's lock that in. Beautiful. I like that. Wonderful. Uh, that's our, we have 25 movies on the list now. How exciting is that? So that is super exciting. We'll have to reorganize and reshuffle some rankings. Maybe. Uh, yes. In the future. We'll do some bonus episodes where we toss it around a little bit, but for now, some like it hot above Roman holiday and below a star is born on our mm-hmm. list. Tremendous. Um, no actors to add to our to our actor Hall of Fame list here to try. There's no new ones, but we might have some in the future. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Jack Lemon might pop up again. I'm not sure uh, off the top of the dome. So, and no directors. I think this is the only Billy Wilder movie we have on the list. So I think so. Yeah. Um, and then with that being said, uh, Jackson, you feeling lucky? You could ask yourself a question. Do I feel lucky? All right, so going back to our cinephile game uh, for a little update, we have uh, Emily Blunt, who went up against Greta Gerwig uh, for best, like, who's the better actress between the two, and we decided on Emily Blunt in the famous Oppenheimer v. Barbie uh, (laughs) fight, uh, which was kind of fun, and she is one win away from being inducted into our Hall of Fame. Wow. So let's draw a new uh, opponent, and we have, ooh... Michael B. Jordan. Who do you oh. like better, Carter? Michael B. Jordan or Emily Blunt? Oh, boy. Well, hmm. Well, Michael B. Jordan, obviously, is, um, is a little younger, obviously, mm-hmm. than uh, some of the... Actually, they might be around the same age. I don't know. I, I'm probably... He plays younger, it seems. He does play younger. Um, But a lot of his work is mostly franchise stuff when you think about yeah. it in his latter part. I mean... Fruitvale Station is great. Mm-hmm. Um, Just Mercy is great. He's great in Chronicle. That. Chronicle, but then you know you have Fan Fortastic on the on the rap sheet. Yes, Fan Fortastic. Uh, give Space <laughs> Jam a new legacy, uh, which he just cameos in actually because it's a joke. Oh, he oh Michael he Jordan. voices uh, Cyborg in that Flashpoint movie, the animated one that we talked about oh, a while nice. ago, which is kind of interesting. That is interesting. Uh, he has a cameo in Space Jam: A New Legacy. Yeah. That's Michael Jordan. And it's funny. It's like, oh my gosh, Michael Jordan's here, but it's Michael B. Jordan. <laughs> yeah. And obviously, you know, Creed and Black Panther, he has mm-hmm. on his resume. And I think he's one of the best parts of the Black Panther franchise. Totally. I definitely think he is like a huge, like you said, like a huge franchise player and will continue to be like, not like, this sounds weird, like comparing him to like Will Smith, but like kind of like in mm. the Will Smith vein of mm-hmm. like, he can do the drama. He can do like the comedy kind of. Yeah. And he like is like this guy who shows up to these big franchise projects. Agreed. And uh I don't know. I feel like he'll have like his like a big like moment in the sun. And I, I he's kind of doing that with Creed, obviously, but like I feel like he'll go back to serious movies at some point and like kind of just like hit home runs again. Yeah, I do too. And uh, again, he's becoming a director in his own right as well. Mm-hmm, totally. Directed Creed three, which is yeah. definitely major. Um, but I think I'm still just leaning in terms of body of work for acting. And more broad scope. I think Emily Blunt is just a little more seasoned and has done more I agree. Yeah. projects that I'm interested in. So I think I'm going to move her on. She's in the Hall of Fame now. Yeah. Congratulations to Emily Blunt then. She joins the ranks in our RCR Hall of Fame alongside Harrison Ford, Jeff Goldblum, Scarlett Johansson, Jake Gyllenhaal, and Robin Williams. Congratulations. That's a quite that's quite a crew right there. I, love I know. It. Beautiful. Wonderful. Um, I guess it's time for a quick fantasy filmography update, and then we can uh, get out of here. What do you say? Let's do it. Beautiful. So this is week 29. Uh, no new releases this week, but uh, an eventful week. Uh, David mm-hmm. back in first place um, as Barbie crossed a billion this week, obviously. It's this now the second movie of our, of our draft to achieve this feat, obviously behind Super Mario. Might have an opportunity to pass Super Mario. 
we'll see. I think it's still got some steam and can do that for sure. Um, and actually David's like festival darling from January, all dirt roads, taste of salt, finally mm-hmm. got a trailer and a release window of just fall. So not a <laughs> cool. So we'll see. And he still has legally blonde three on his roster, which is not coming out. So <laughs> he's got to update that. I know. And last year we threw him a bone and kind of updated for him. I'm not doing that this year for him. Yeah. So sorry, David, if you're listening, get on that. Um, then Jeff in second, uh, Cody in third, me in fourth. And no real changes there. Brian in fifth. Uh, Mission Impossible, I think, is going to cross five hundred million this week. This week, which is kind of crazy because I feel like nobody's been seeing it for some reason. Like I'm uh, actually kind of surprised. It like I thought it was going to flop for a second, but yeah, because I mean, Tom was pissed that he couldn't get his IMAX screens because yeah. Nolan was like, "Sorry, buddy, but I'm mm-hmm. saving movies now." So yeah. So yeah, it's kind of interesting. Maybe it's having a late surge now that people are kind of discovering it. I don't now know. that Barbenheimer's over, maybe they're coming back to some other stuff. Yeah, I feel like the Oppenheimer part of it is over, but I feel like the Barbie part of Barbenheimer oh, totally. is still going strong. Totally. Um, then Jackson, uh, speaking of Oppenheimer, you're chilling in sixth right now. Oppenheimer yeah. just crossed 500 million this week. So I'm shocked think- it actually did that. That's pretty pretty impressive for uh, you know a black and white partially uh, yeah. biopic about. <laughs> the guy who made the bomb. Like, I think that's pretty, pretty cool. The power of Nolan and movie stars mm-hmm. is an event. Movie making is, is still strong, palpable. Um, it's weird. Cause we partially owe it to Margot Robbie, believe it or not. Truly. <laughs> Which is so strange. Like without Barbie, I don't know if, uh, Oppenheimer is doing these numbers, Yeah, but here we are. So it's funny. The world we live in, it's just wonderful. Um, Corbin remains, uh, in seventh right now with uh, mutant mm-hmm. mayhem performing quite well. Uh, lots of positive reviews might have a good week at the box office and finally matt in eighth but made some big moves this week in fact mm-hmm. today he dropped three films uh craven the hunter sorry sorry not releasing this year i don't think no i don't think so the nightingale not releasing this year mm-hmm. and the boys in the boat which i think is but um he replaced craven with equalizer three which is coming out. That's his franchise pick uh, in September, I believe. Uh, the Holdovers, which is uh, an Anthony Payne movie, uh, Oscar buzz there. And Lee, which also Oscar buzz, Kate Winslet in the lead role there. So got some Oscar buzz and trying to get the Oscar bait uh, thing going for him, I think. Fantastic. So, so yeah, um, that's about it. Not a lot to look forward to uh, next week. Not any new releases, but we'll have Strays and Blue Beetle coming soon, Jackson. So we got that to look forward to. And speaking of strays, next week we're doing a little Will Ferrell retrospective, which should mm-hmm. be which should be fun to kind of dig into uh, Will Ferrell's filmography in honor of strays. So we'll see. And maybe Jackson will, will rewatch Anchorman. I don't know. Maybe he'll. <laughs> maybe I'll give it a fair shot. We'll see. Give it another chance. We'll see. Um, so that'll be fun. Um, but with that, uh, we're done, Jackson. Woohoo! We did it. Woohoo! Where can the people follow us on Instagram, pal? They can follow us on Instagram at roughcut underscore pod. Click our link tree. Follow us on Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts, whatever you listen to. We'd prefer Spotify, but, mm-hmm. you know, we'll take what we can get. And uh, Carter, where can they follow us on Twitter? Uh, you can follow us on Twitter or X if you're freaky. Uh, you can follow <laughs> us at roughcut underscore co. Check us out there. And I will post our episodes there as well. And we'll post some some other fun things as well. So, yeah, check us out. And thanks for listening. And we'll see you next week for some, uh, some Will Ferrell talk. How about it? Bye. Goodbye. In case I don't see you. Good afternoon, good evening, and good night.